Hey, Sugar, which way is catering? With Justine and Bruce. Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Have you ever had a job that was dangerous? Where you were literally, like, risking your life for said job? Yes. I'm not talking about delivering waterbeds. Okay, then no. <laughs> <laughs> like, we are actually, like, we are shit i could die today uh selling beer at the stadium Deliver- i could die today <laughs> delivering lay's potato <laughs> chips yeah i could eat too many hot cheetos <laughs> Ew. that just sounds like a belly explosion now hot that's cheetos and soda now that's catering hi welcome we have jelly donuts grape soda and hot cheetos welcome <laughs> i would take none of that i would eat none of that <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce. And it's uh, served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. And today on our podcast, we've been waiting to talk with this guest for a while. Grammy-nominated artist, personable, everybody loves him. He's got a song list. It's really a, a great pleasure to talk to you. And we have Trace Atkins today. Good morning, evening, or whenever this is. (laughs) Good day. Yeah, good day. You know, I just want to say right off the top, you know, which way is catering? That's a great title because that's probably the question that you hear the most from band guys and crew guys. And, you know, that's that's the first question that everybody asks when they get off a bus in the morning. Which way is catering? Yeah, and then, uh, Trace, I'm sure the other question is – Where's the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah Which so way decide... catering usually comes first? Yeah, yeah. But, well, thank you for that, because that was our whole point of the title and kind of what our podcast is about. So thank you very much. I wanted to start off our, our podcast with, I'm going to mention uh, a name, and then you kind of tell me what first comes to mind. The name is Variety Attractions. George Moffat. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have stories of uh, George Moffat and Todd Bolton, and if you yeah. could share some of those with us, that'd be great. Well, uh, George Moffat, first of all, when I first met George, I was just like, oh, my God, he looks, he could have been my granddaddy's twin brother, I swear, <laughs> just like just like my mama's uh, daddy, and it, it was amazing, uh, so you know, I had, you know, an affection toward him from the very beginning. And, uh, I, you know what, I doubt there's anybody, you know, I'm sure you guys could check the numbers, but there's probably not hardly any artist that's done more variety attraction shows than I have. I mean, I, I, I tell people in that Rust Belt corridor where they were so dominant for so many years and still are, I, I um, have played every county fair in that entire region of the country, you know, for variety of attractions. And 
it's just it's just been an awesome experience and, and I, I owe so much to George and Todd and Variety Attractions, all the good people there. It's it's just been wonderful over the years, the the association and friendship that I've had with all those people and um yeah, I've got I, of course I've got stories. I the first time that I got a bonus from George after a show because we had a good show and the crowd it was full and and you know this was very early in my career and George came up on the bus with a cardboard box full of hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job tonight, Trace. I just wanted to give you guys you know brought us a whole a box full of hamburgers and that you know George was old school you know and uh, I got I was at you know I got after him for a long time. I said George you got to write a book, you know, and uh, I just kept after him about it because I thought, you know, I mean, the stories that he could tell about, about artists that, that are legends, you know, that he worked with many, many years ago, uh, you know, decades ago. And, and I just thought it would have been a fascinating story to tell. Well, that's great. I know uh, when Todd talks about you, I think you are in the top three as mm -hmm. far as um, working with variety attractions. And Todd mentioned early on in your career, he had a couple stories that I'm sure you can tell us, but you guys were, you guys were having a good time on the road. Back in those days, I, you know, I played clubs for a lot of years before I started, before I got a record deal and, you know, it took me a few years to get that out of my system, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I continued to conduct myself that way a little bit for a few years. One thing I, you know, because I met you for the first time um, when I started at the Wisconsin State Fair back in 2006, and I met you at our main stage. And then actually, Justine and I are going to be working with you this summer in a date in Wisconsin um called gathering on the green so we'll see you in july um but Ooh. starting starting off i mean you're a pretty menacing solid dude i mean how did you kind of go into singing and songwriting uh it was just i started singing bass in a gospel quartet when i was 17 and did that for a few years because uh, that was the first door that opened for me. You know, I started singing in church when I was a kid. And, um, so, you know, I, I started singing bass in a quartet with a group of just local guys there. And um, But I, you know, was playing guitar and, and learning all those songs off all my daddy's uh, country records uh, he had a pretty good collection of all the all the greats so on Saturday nights I would take my guitar and go around to little local hay rides and jamborees and you know get up with the house band and do a few haggard tunes or whatever and so it, it was just a hobby that you know got horribly out of control I mean I, I <laughs> kind of jokingly but it, it's true I I am a person that has been blessed in this life to be able to earn a living doing something that is began as as something that I just love to do and did it for the pure pleasure of it you know it was a hobby and uh, 
so I'm I'm fortunate in in that way. And then you know that led to you know playing clubs in Texas and New Mexico, but did did, did that Southwest circuit, all those dance halls for a few years, and uh, then moved to Nashville to throw my hat in the ring. And you know that's that's kind of the Reader's Digest version of how it all <laughs> happened. After being so great at your hobby and making such a great career out of it. I mean, do you ever look back and think, oh, if I would have taken a different path, where where would that have led you? If you could have done something else, what would that have looked like? Well, I'd still be working in the oil field. I worked in the oil field for six years before um, I started uh, full-time touring with a band in, in Texas. And um, I, I worked on land and production for three years, and then I went offshore and worked on a drilling rig for three years and met some people out there who had a country band in Lafayette, Louisiana, and got hooked up with them and would play down there on my weeks off. I'd work two weeks on, two weeks off. So on my weeks off, I'd go play with them, and um, and that just escalated to the point where I you know, took a leave of absence from my job offshore and played clubs in texas for about four and a half almost five years and and got burnt out on that and then went back to work on a drilling rig in the gulf of mexico so you know if if the music thing hadn't worked out for me i'd still be working in the oil field i enjoyed i think you're the only person i've ever heard say that (laughs) (laughs) why did why did you enjoy it was it was it the money you know there there was there was a certain machismo that you know, uh, when I was working on a drilling rig in the Gulf of Mexico, it was considered to be the second most dangerous job in the United States, yeah. only behind hanging steel on high rises. That was the only job that was considered more dangerous. And, you know, we got into some hairy situations several times out there. I mean, I got scars on, uh, to this day. You know, I've got, I cut one of my fingers off. And so that's, you know, a lot of people know about that. My little finger on my left hand is, it's just stuck in a hook, you know, because I got it cut off and they put it back on and I told them to, you know, they said it wasn't going to work and they were going to have to fuse the joints and did I want it straight or how did I want it? And I said, you got to put it in the sus position. <laughs> talking about. And I said, well, put curve it like I showed him with my right hand. I said, curve it like this so that I can suspend, you know, the E string on the D cord, you know what I mean? If oh my goodness! Might as well just cut it off if you don't do that. I mean, straight, it's not going to do me any good. Just whack it off. But <laughs> put it in this position. I'll I may be able to still use it on the guitar, and and he did, and I can. You know, I, there's some chords I can't make, some bar chords I can't reach up the neck with my little finger, but you know, uh, it it still works a little bit, and um, so I can still play some and. Um, but it just, you know, and then there was that brotherhood out there uh, that, it, you know, these these people that you basically live with for half half your life, half the time, you know, two weeks on, two weeks off, you know, you get to know these people, they become like brothers to you, you know, and um, it was kind of a team sport, actually. Uh, each crew was trying to outdo the other one, and it was just, I don't know, I just enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the whole thing, and there was still that opportunity for somebody who hadn't graduated college i did go to college for a couple years but i didn't graduate but there was a place that 
a man without a college degree could still work himself into, a, you know, at least a six-figure uh, income, you know, and uh, it was it was just a great place to work. I enjoyed it. So other than the oil rig and being a country superstar, what are your other interests? Well, I, you know, when I, when I'm home, like now, I, you know, I'm working, you know, I'm going to be working today. I'm, I'm out here on this place that I've been on for 20 years now. And there's always uh, projects and things that I'm doing. And, you know, I've been, you know, cleaning woods up for almost 20 years now. And it's just, it's a never ending thing. And I'm always doing dirt work and, you know, I've got toys that I play with, you know, backhoes and tractors and, you know, saws and dump trucks and, and just, you know, I'm just always busy doing that. You know, I, it's, it's weird, you know, my job is, is my hobby and, and my hobby is actual work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure the grandchildren are too. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. enjoy them and my five daughters, and I, I, and that's the main reason I do what I do out here because I want them to have a nice place to hang out, and enjoy you know nature, and get outside and have a place where they can ride their four wheelers and you know all that kind of and fish and learn how to hunt and everything. You putting them to work out there? raising barns with you i think you know what they're all still too little yeah to gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> hey i hear that but just give them a few years they have no idea you know they are destined for a life of indentured servitude <laughs> yeah there's a there's a uh grandpa honeydew list already started oh, i'm yeah. sure <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> they have no idea <laughs> Listening to you for so many years, Trace, I've been a big fan for a long time, and you have so many songs that are like hit after hit after hit after hit. And is there one in your mind that's kind of like that career-defining song for you? I would have to say, um, even above uh, Honky Tonk, Badonka Donk, uh, this ain't no thinking thing changed my career trajectory um, and I don't think it was just necessarily the song it was the video that really mm. you know it, it, that you know it was game on after that video came out it, it completely changed everything and uh, so I, I would have to, I would point to that song and you say videos and I mean Every video for your songs, they're hilarious. I mean, they're like a show in itself. Are they as fun to film as they are to watch? We we do. I've always had fun uh, doing videos, and even even the serious ones. You know, there's there's always it's always been an enjoyable experience. I've been fortunate to work with some of the best directors in the business, and um, it's it's always been a pleasant experience. When you when you are working on the set, whether there's you know it's a, a video, a movie, what have you, are there like experiences that are similar from being on the road uh, as a touring artist and 
doing things kind of behind the scenes on a video set or movie set? Are they similar? Yeah, they are, of course. Um, because you, I mean, the similarities are obvious to me. I mean, when you're on stage, you're surrounded by these uh, incredibly talented people. And, and I'm talking about even, you know, the crew people, the people that run the sound and, and tune the guitars and all that, the crew guy. I mean, these, these are talented, creative people, you know, and work, they work in a creative business. And, uh, of course the band guys that I'm surrounded by on stage are incredibly talented, world-class musicians. So it's, it's much the same when, you know, that's what I tell people all the time when they, you know, what is it about, do you enjoy acting and all that stuff? Of course I do, because it's also like being in the studio when you're in the studio recording a new album, like we've been doing for the last year, you're surrounded by incredibly talented, creative people. And it's a stimulating environment. Well, movie sets or television sets are the same way. You're surrounded by incredibly talented, creative people. And there's just that atmosphere that I find invigorating and stimulating. And so I enjoy it. You know, anything that gets those creative juices going, it's, you know, it, it's something that uh, I'll be willing to sign up for most of the time. Now, Trace, uh, you were very kind to uh, compliment us on our title of our podcast, Which Way is Catering? Now, when you show up at a movie set, video set, venue, and you're finding out which way is catering, when you go to catering, I mean, what are you? Are you like a jelly donut guy? Are you the veggie tray? Are you the, you know, where's the hunk of roast beast? You know what? I'm pretty much all of the above. I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll just graze until, until I'm, till I'm done and, you know, then move on, you know, but uh, there's, very few foods that offend me. Uh, you know, that's a pretty short list. Well, that's great. I, I'm a huge jelly donut guy, so now I feel much well, better. Yeah, <laughs> when you, you when you look towards your, your future, do you see your acting career? Like, do you like it so much where it would kind of not overshadow your singing, but do you see yourself getting more into that than you have been in the past? You know, that's totally dependent on the opportunities that come along i'm not gonna in other words i'm, I'm not gonna move to la and and go out for auditions every day and actively pursue it that way now if an opportunity comes to me you know that's that's a different thing but you know i'm so it just depends you know i'm just saying if that opportunity were to come along i might um, you know, apply more of my time to that, but it would, it's just going to have to be an opportunity that comes. It's not going to be something that, that I go out there and actively seek out, you know, but if that door opens, I might look at stepping through it. I don't know, but I have no plans of, of ever. I, I mean, as long as I feel like I can go on stage and, and still uh, perform up to, up to what I feel like is, is, is a good level of, you know, as long as I can still sing. I mean, I, as an old jock, I, I, I'm a realist. I understand there will come a point where 
you know, this muscle in my throat is just like every other muscle in your body. At some point, you're going to start getting diminishing returns, and it's not going to work the way it used to. You know, I had to quit playing football when I was in college because, you know, I had torn my knee up, and it was just – I was spending 30 minutes a day on the training table getting wrapped up just so I could go practice, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it just got where – I wasn't playing at a hundred percent. And so what's, you know, I can't continue to do this. I'm not going to make it to the next level this way anyway. So, you know, and that's kind of the way I am um, with singing it at some point when my performance doesn't satisfy me, then uh, I'll probably walk away. With, with your movie career, is there a actor, actress, director that, like your dream to work with them? I mean, it might never happen, but maybe it might. I mean, do you ever think about that? <laughs> well, sure. You know, I mean, everybody that uh, delves into that arena, uh, you, you know, of course, you know, you would uh, love to be on a Spielberg film someday or something like <laughs> that. You know? Yeah, I could uh, see you as a master Jedi. <laughs> oh wow I don't know <laughs> yeah but uh, you know of course there you know those iconic actors that I'd like to have a chance to just be in their presence and, and I've had those opportunities with some of some of those folks and, and it's just been uh, it's been pretty incredible any of those opportunities of working with you know the countless wonderful people that you have have you ever had a time where you're sitting in a room and all of a sudden you're starstruck, like, oh, shit, I am in the room with so-and-so. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a few times. I, I, I remember, you know, when Bruce Dern told me, you know, I'm the only guy that ever, you know, I was the first guy that killed John Wayne in a movie, you know, and all, and you were just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's heavy. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and meeting you know Robert Duvall, I was just uh, I, I was just dumbstruck. I, I couldn't hardly even speak. I didn't know what to say to the man, you know. Just other than you know, I'm a huge fan. And other than that, I just didn't know. I thought anything else I said might just sound idiotic. <laughs> <laughs> so so there, there have been a few people that have just yeah knocked me for a loop like that. Ray Charles was another one. <laughs> Music-wise, have you been starstruck? And then you mentioned Ray. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first time I met Merle Haggard, I, I just kind of stood there and stared at him. <laughs> for what was, you know, an awkward an awkward extended, extended period of time. (laughs) Were you looking into his eyes? (laughs) Well, I just, and he was looking at me like, you know, with that expectant look on his face, like, well, are you going to say something or, you know, so, uh, but then we, you know, I got past it finally. Uh, he was always super, kind to me every show that i ever did with Hag, he was he was always awesome to me and and uh i just cherished those times and but there were a bunch of those guys that affected me that way buck owens was another one and, uh, i really enjoyed 
the friendship that I had with him over the years. And, and, and being a member of the Grand Ole Opry, I've gotten to meet pretty much all of the legends in this business. And um, the only one I missed was Johnny Cash. He was the only one mm. that, that I missed. But I think I checked the boxes on all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. We'd like to talk uh, to you about collaboration and good friend Blake Shelton. You guys have some awesome duets together. Tell us about your guys' relationship and your songs and if you guys plan on working together more in the future. I know you guys are touring. and Yeah, I don't. I, I guess that tour is going to happen this fall. <laughs> I, you know, they've still kind of been, uh, you know, it's not 100%. Uh, whether or not we're going to do it so I, I don't know i'm just waiting like everybody else to hear whether or not we're going to go but uh i got a new album coming out uh this year and um, blake and i did a song together that's going to be on there uh, it's one of my favorites that we've ever done together it's a song that i i wrote with my dear old friend kenny beard and jeff bates and uh it's called if, if I Was a Woman, I'd Love a Man Like Me. And Blake and I sing it together. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Why do you guys just kind of gravitate toward each other? We're just, you know, I don't know. We're just cut from the same cloth, you know, where we come from, the way we grew up. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really uncanny uh, just how many similarities there are in our personal lives just the way that just the way that we operate you know things that we enjoy and um we kind of have the same kind of twisted sense of humor and uh, i don't know somehow it, it just works and we knew that early on whenever we toured together in the very beginning you know back when blake was opening for me you know yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a long time ago that's when he had his uh, Kentucky waterfall mullet, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I bust out uh, the term hillbilly bone very often. Because everybody's got one, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I remember Blake, like 2007 or 2008, I worked with him and I was working at a fair and I showed up the next morning after his show. Blake's bus was still backstage <laughs> and I thought, you know, did their bus break down or did something happen? And they said, oh, no, they just got back early this morning. So they're just kind of sleeping for a bit. <laughs> I'm sure you remember yeah, times. I, I'm sure you remember times like that. Right, Trace? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Blake, Blake will make you stay up all night on, on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> to talk or what? <laughs> Yeah, he just, you know, I mean, sometimes he just gets in one of those moods and gets rolling and, you know, uh, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to leave to, you know, (laughs) to get any sleep. If you stay there, you're going to be up all night. Many days on the road, many venues. Do you have a, and you can talk about it or pick one out of your memory bank. Did you ever have like a nightmare meet and greet situation mm. happen? Kind of like your awkward moment with, uh, you know, Merle Haggard, you know, just kind of looking at each other and whatever. But did you ever have any just kind of nightmare instance during a meet and greet? I don't think 
think so. Uh, not that I can recall where it was just a, where the where I ever felt you know uh, intimidated or scared for my health at any point. You know. That well, I mean, were there uh, a, were there a couple overserved females that were? Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> a lot, but you know, it's never been anything I couldn't handle. You know, I mean, I'm not one to hold people responsible for, you know, uh, some suggestive language when they're uh, <laughs> inebriated, you know, yeah. I've, I've had, you know, I've had some ladies politely ask if they could grab my butt and I'm sure <laughs> get you some, you know, <laughs> it's not going to hurt me, oh. hurt my wife over there, she won't mind. <laughs> Trace, have you ever had one of your fans uh, give you a gift that was a little odd? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I've gotten some strange, strange gifts over the years. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> name anything in, in the event that they may be listening. But sure. yeah, I've gotten some strange stuff. Yeah, because we were talking with some of our guests, and things came up like voodoo dolls. Yeah, someone and, got a voodoo doll. Yeah, made just of like. Mm. <laughs> hey, no, I've never gotten a voodoo doll. That might come in handy, actually. <laughs> I'll see if I can whip one up for you, Trace. <laughs> when you guys are on the road, um, tour bus, that type of thing, do you guys have, or do you have any? pre-show rituals that you guys do no i don't and and we actually make fun of those people that do <laughs> uh, you know it, it's no you know we've been doing this a long time and and if we don't know and if we still have to pray to the music gods before we go on stage we're in the wrong business you know uh we uh no uh, if I say anything to my guys before we go on stage, rarely do I even see them before we go on stage. You know, I'm up on the bus getting ready and stuff, and I usually push it right up to the time when I'm supposed to go on stage. And by the time I get to the stage, they're already out there, and it's, you know, we don't even talk to each other before we go on stage. You know, we get together at sound check and talk about what we need to talk about and what I'm thinking about doing that night. And that's when we get all that stuff done. And then, and then we just hit the stage and execute, you know, and, uh, no, we don't do any of those pre-show ritual things. Uh, you know, I don't know. I can't, I've <laughs> always, I've always thought that was comical when people do that stuff, but to each his own, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trace, do you have a um, a show in your mind that stands out where you're performing and it was either the fen the venue was awesome or the crowd was awesome? Do you have like a favorite show um, that's close to your heart? Uh, wow, that's uh, you know the first thing that popped into my mind was Carnegie Hall. I, mm. You know, it's just such an iconic venue, um, and I remember that Saturday night when the Grand Ole Opry took the show for the first time in history to a different venue on a Saturday night. And we did it at Carnegie Hall and it was just surreal. Um, 
I, I, that that was the first thing that popped into my head. But you know, the other shows that I really remember, but uh, because of the venue or the crowd, have been those USO shows. I mean, it, that's when you're in when you are in a combat zone and doing a show. Uh, the venue and the audience is just you're never going to have any another experience like that. And uh, for anybody that's ever done a USO show in a situation like that, they know what I'm talking about. Other than your shows, have you ever been to a show that you were kind of standing there backstage, side stage, front of house, that you were watching that show and you were getting goosebumps watching it? Um Every every legend that I've ever performed with, that's what I've done. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Don Williams. That was in a that was at a variety attraction show that we did in Ohio. Uh, that I remember standing on the side of the stage for Don Williams' entire show. I did it with Merle Haggard many times. You know, I would I would plant myself right over there, usually by the monitor console on stage, and just stay there. You know, sit down back there. Um, and just stay for his whole show. Uh, actually, the last time that I played with, with Haggard, we were in California doing an outdoor fair, and it was the first time that I remember that I recall he went on before I did, and it really bothered me. And so I went over to his bus full show, and I said, Hag, I, I don't like this. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, you going on before me, it just doesn't, doesn't sit right with me and he said oh son it's gravity you know you'll get it someday don't worry about it and so he was supposed to do an hour or whatever and he went out on stage and I think he did four songs and and then he said that the dry wind that was blowing you know onto the stage was drying his throat out and he wasn't going to be able to continue and he said I'm going to turn it over to tracing he he saw me over there by the monitor console and he just walked over there to me and said he said the difference between me and you he said i'm still going to get paid and then he just walked off the stage you know and i thought yeah that's right he was basically telling me you go out there and do four songs and see if you get paid you know yeah so. <laughs> trace todd was uh kind of telling us justine and i some stories about spending time with you. And one of the ones that was really interesting to us really had nothing to do with music or touring or anything like that. But this was really interesting that you're a big history buff and you would spend time on the bus watching the history channel and things like that. Kind of, kind of tell us about that. Yeah. I, you know, I've just, I always have been a history buff. My my granddaddy that uh, that I told you at the very beginning that was the spitting image of George Moffat, um, or vice versa. When I was a little kid, I just remember, you know, he sat and told me stories about his granddaddy, and uh, and it just piqued my interest uh, as a as a child uh, that I was, you know, history just fascinated me, and it's it's carried on through my entire life, and I've been a an avid reader and student uh, of history, and um, I, I don't know. It's just always been a, a passion of mine. I mean, is there... And, and, and doing what we do uh, has afforded me the opportunity to 
go to a lot of historic sites in this country, you know, uh, mm-hmm. where we pull into a city and we've got all day. Uh, uh, so usually I'll go out and see what there is to see. And usually it's something historic. I'm not going to go to the new mall. Mm-hmm. Or go see the largest ball of string. <laughs> I don't know. I might go see that. Uh, <laughs> um as far as history goes, I mean, what's your, what's your wheelhouse? What's your go-to point in history? Uh, Civil War. It's always been about that because like my granddaddy was telling me stories about his grandfather who was actually in the war and Mm. showed me letters that he had written. Mm. He had copies of 26 letters that uh, his grandfather had written home while he was in the war. And it was, just unbelievable to look at those and just hold them in your hand and uh, it was just fascinating uh, and that that period in our history is uh, you know I mean people try to compare some of the issues and strife that we're dealing with these days to that period in our history but you you just can't I mean you mm-hmm. can't I mean, in this over dramatized you know world that we live in today you know people try to say this worst thing we've ever been through and they're just completely ignorant to to the truth have you have you ever participated in a reenactment no no i've never never gone that far i just uh like to you know read about it and mm-hmm. you know the battles and you know uh, it's just fascinating. Never really wanted to fire a cannon. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a cannon. Yeah, I'd love to have a cannon. You, you know, thank you. He's got four of them. I think he ought to sell me one. Yeah, and I mean, you could clear a lot of woods with a couple good uh, good cannons. <laughs> That's a good yeah. toy for grandchildren, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, well, I'm glad I didn't have one when I was a kid. I, that would have been bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. light this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trace, uh, we really appreciate your time today and joining us on our podcast. Uh, we love talking to you and, you know, sharing different times in your life and your interests and experiences and things like that. And we really, really appreciate all the kind words about variety attractions and you know, it's been fun today. Well, I, uh, like I said, I, I have had a long, fruitful association with Variety Attractions, and uh, and and Todd Bolton is one of my favorite human beings. So, uh, and George Moffat, it goes without saying, uh, has been uh, one of the central figures in in my career, and um, I will always be grateful and appreciative. And uh, I, I hope that, that he knows that. I, I believe he does. And uh, good luck with your podcast. And I, I, like I said, I love the title of it. Where's catering? That'll be the first thing I say when we <laughs> eventually get to get back on the bus. All right. Thanks All right, for your Trace. time, Trace. Thanks so much. Okay. See you. Thanks for joining us backstage and visit Justine and I at varietyattractions.com. Get your backstage pass and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce, served up by Variety Attractions. 
Celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. Find out how you can take advantage of their expertise in consulting, talent buying, production, and marketing services for your next event at VarietyAttractions.com.